Can someone say hallelujah? hallelujah? We sang that song, there's joy in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's let him know that there's joy in this house this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We got a lot to be joyful about. Amen. Joyful about. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, Pastor Jack and Michelle are watching us online. They've just taken a, amen. They've taken a couple of days off to just refresh and refuel. And uh, they'll be back with us. They'll be back with us shortly. Father, we praise you this morning. We thank you for the joy that's in this house, Lord, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you, Lord, for what you desire to do in us, through us, and for us. And so for that, we praise you, and we just submit all this to you this morning in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Well, you're going to get something that's so fresh. Amen? How many like something fresh? We're always, uh, Pastor Mary Jean and I, we're always prepared. You know, we, we're always prepared. But then sometimes, sometimes the Lord will change things. And you have to be, you have to be sensitive. I, I've told this story years ago, 20 or 30 years ago, we're coming to church and we're passing by just down the street from our house. We're passing this couple that friends of ours and they had three children and we're coming to church on a Sunday morning and we're excited and we're driving by their house and they're outside in the front yard playing with their kids. And, and I said this, I said, Lord, why, don't, why aren't they in church? And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, they don't have to be, they don't want to be, and they don't need to be. I said, wow. And then he told me, he said, but that's the reasons you're in church. You have to be, you want to be, and you need to be. And so that was my sermon that day. Amen. So today, this morning, the Lord dropped something on me about six o'clock as I walked out on my patio. And here it is. Okay. Here's the name of it. What is it about God that makes him real to you? What is it about God that makes him real to you? Amen. So I just, I just started praying and asking some, uh, some stuff. In the Bible, Thomas was a disciple, traveled with all the other disciples. And after Jesus had been raised from the dead, the disciples came back and told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas said, well, if I can stick my fingers in his wounds and stick them in the side, then I'll believe. Well, it said he had that opportunity and Jesus sought him out and he said, Thomas, come here. And he said, give me your hand. And he put it in his hand, the, the holes in his hand, and he did it in his side. Thomas believed God because God revealed himself to him when he knew that's what Thomas needed. Are you understanding this? So we're, we're talking about what is it about God that makes him real to you? Uh, Peter, Luke 5. What, what made Peter go from a fisherman to being one of the, the great leaders of the early church. You know, Jesus came along. It was early in the morning. The crowd was pushing him into the, into the sea of uh, Genesaret. And uh, he looked at Peter and said, Peter, loan me your boat. And Peter said, it ain't doing me no good. We fished all night and ain't caught nada, nothing, zilch. And so Peter got in the boat and he said, launch out a little, a little bit. And, and so Jesus taught now, see, we're talking about what is it about God that makes him real to you? 
And so here's Peter, defeated, hadn't caught nothing. And so uh, Jesus preached from the boat. And then he said, Peter, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a mighty catch. Okay. We fished all night. I'm a fisherman. What are you? What do you know about fishing? But he said, but at thy word, at thy word, I will let down the net. And so we know the story. Peter let down the net. It said they started catching so many fish. He had to call for his partners. That's why I had to have good partnerships. Call for his partners, John and Zebedee. And they came over and it says their nets and their boats, they both begin to sink. And Peter, what makes God real to you? Peter fell to his knees and he said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter admitted his frailty and his sin in his life, and Jesus revealed himself to Peter. What is it about God that makes him real to you? Amen? After I meet Jesus when I get to heaven, I really want to see David. What a man. What a man. It's, it was, he, he had to be a New Testament Jesus lover. But this is what it says about David. What was it about God that made David believe him? And it says in Psalms 91, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showed his handiwork. Hallelujah. What was it about God that got David's attention and his presence, his holiness? The heavens revealed it. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 16. Two disciples in prison. And it says, at midnight, the prison doors, there was an earthquake and the prison doors opened. Prisoners are let leave. But they were, they were praising God in prison. They were praising God. And all of a sudden, an earthquake and the prison doors opened and the chains dropped off. And it said, and the jailer, we don't even know his name, but we're talking about what is it about God that makes him real to you. And the jailer knew that if those people escaped, his life was on the line. He would be killed. And he pulled out a sword as if to kill himself. And the disciples talked to him and said, don't do that. We're here. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? What is it about God that makes him real to us? I've, and there's so many, there's so many examples. Uh, the apostle Paul, I guess if God knocks you off your donkey, you'd be a believer. But here's Paul, adamant against God, adamant against God. So he gets a letter to go to Damascus where he could imprison anyone that said they believed in this Jesus guy. He was adamant and he's on his way to Damascus. And we've been there and we've looked down on the road that he traveled. And God came to him and, and spoke to him, knocked him off his donkey. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? And Paul. What would you have me to do, Lord? Why did Paul believe in God? God revealed himself to Paul. And from that moment, 
My goodness gracious, the Holy Ghost just unloaded, downloaded into him all the things. Of, and it said he, he immediately started preaching. Amen. What is it about God? What is it about God? I want to share. So, and, and so in my life, what is it about God that makes him real? And this is, this is old. This is old stuff. If you're here for a while, you know this. 1970, Mary Jean and I are living in Corpus. We have three children. Uh, we're living from paycheck to paycheck. We didn't like where we were. We were not happy campers. And uh, I had an experience with the Lord. I walking around the house one night with a white robe on, smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. Mary Jean was gone, took the kids someplace, probably just to get away from me. And anyway, somehow, some way in our little dining room area, uh, there was a little piece of paper that was laying on the floor. And uh, as I'm drinking my beer and smoking my cigarette, I just went over and picked it up. And it had Romans 8:31 on it, which, what does that mean? It could be a baseball score for all I knew at the time. But it said Romans 8:31, and it said, Jack, if God be for you, who can be against you? Now, I, I wish I could go back 50 years ago and, and live that over again because God spoke to me. He came into the room. He lighted up the room. I fell to my face. I remember mumbling. I, I, just, I just, I couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything. But it became so real to me that he spoke. Listen to what I'm saying. He spoke to a need in me that I didn't know I needed. See, the Bible says God knows what we need of before we even ask it. He loves us so much. So my prayer is, Lord, what do, let me know what I have need of. Instead of me asking you what I have need of, he said, no, Jack, I already know what you have need of. And our prayer is now, Lord, what, what, is, what do I have need of? But anyway, so that, that happened 50 years ago. And it changed my life for about 90 days. We were in a desert. No one around me knew what had happened to me. I, I, I went to a religious person who was the pastor of that little church that we went to at that time. And I explained what I, I did with you just now, what happened. And I was so excited. I was so excited that the next morning, Jesus went and got in my car with me. I opened the door. He sat down, I lifted up his train and laid it across his lap. And I was a salesman and I had to talk to people, construction people, early in the morning. They're not real happy people early in the morning. But I was selling insurance at the time and, and I'd go into a place and Jesus would walk right in with me. And as I'm standing there to talk to the president or something, he'd kind of nudge me and he'd say, remember, if God be for you, who can be against you? And I had a marvelous, I had a marvelous 90 days. Pastor, why are you saying 90 days? I had no one around me that knew what happened. I had no one to say, God, this is what God did. I had no one that was, had, had an experience like that. And so God was so good, but I, I lived for seven years. But then he gave me, in 1977, he let it happen again. 
So I'm talking to you today about what is it about God that makes him real? And in my life, seven years after that, Mary Jean and I were involved in a small little church and we wanted to do something good. We didn't, we didn't care if it was God, just so it was good. And we found a group of homeless men in a shelter up on the north side of town that uh, the pastors, they went out and picked up homeless people uh, off the street and they would bring them to a little church on a Sunday night. And so we heard about it, so we, we p- fixed some chicken. We were going to be good. So we fixed, Mary Jean cooked chicken and so uh, three, uh, two other couples. So we go out there. I had just bought a new Lincoln car <clears throat> and it wasn't a real nice part of town. So when I parked the car, I made sure I could look at it, that I could see it. And we were there and there were about 20, 25 homeless uh, men. And uh, I really didn't want to be there. Just I'm on the wrong side of town in my new car. And so we, we, we fed them that night. And yeah, I've done that. Boy, you, in that church, you got a mark. He did a good deed. Ooh, we did good. Didn't have to go again. We only were supposed to go one time. Well, about Friday, I get a phone call. Hey, Jack, a a couple backed out. Could y'all go back out there? (laughs) Okay, Mary Jean needs to cook some more chicken. So we took, we made some more chicken and we went back out there and mostly the same guys and they were from age 18 to 60. Pops, Pops was probably the older. He was, he was the, he was the oldest, he was an ugly man. He had a scar from here all the way down. Every other tooth was missing. But we met Pops, and he had been on the streets forever, and, and we met some people, Archie Jack. We met, even started knowing some names and parked my car where I could see it. And when we finished, I'm going home. Woo, Bubba, we have done some good stuff. Go home. We're through. Friday afternoon. Jack. So-and-so can't go. Could you and Mary Jean, (laughs) I don't want to go back out there. Could you and Mary Jean go back out there and take some chicken? So two other couples and we go, and we took our sons. We took Michael, Jack, and Troy with us, and they were eight, nine years old or whatever it was. And uh, parked my my Lincoln where I could see it and look at it, just waiting to get out of there. Well, the preacher that night decided to have a bless me service and... uh, I, we didn't know what that was, but uh, some people got up and kind of shared prayer requests. And uh, it came to me, and for no other reason, for really for no godly reason, because what I was getting ready to do was not really to glorify God. I think it was more, well, I just said, you know, my grandmother Pigeon is in Austin and she fell and broke her hip. So uh, if if y'all want to pray for her. Well, in the church that I grew up in, the preacher prayed. The preacher prayed. So I made my request and I said, uh, yeah, my, my grandmother fell and broke her hip and so I'm waiting for the preacher to pray. And all of a sudden the preacher said, Pops, I want you to pray for Sister Pigeon. I almost stood up. I'm mad. I don't want this man praying for my grandmother. No. 
as I look at my Lincoln. It made me mad. And pops. <laughs> I don't even know how long the prayer was, but pops said, Lord, we just pray and lift up Sister Pigeon in that nursing home in Austin, Texas. And I lost it. What is it about God that makes him real? And I, in front of these 20 or 25 people, it's just, I lost it. My boys are sitting on the front row and they're wondering what in the world has gone wrong with daddy? I'm just, I'm bawling. Anyway, one of the ladies, one of our good friends gets up to do a good thing and to console me. And this old Pentecostal preacher said, don't touch him, darling. Don't touch him. And they let me cry in front of everybody. And it was a break in this that I needed so bad. What is it about God that makes him real to you? Because when that happens and he becomes real, you can never slip back. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, he's real to me. He's not some figment of my imagination. He's not, he's not some, I don't go to church just to, to go to church. I need to be, I want to be, and I have to be in the house of God. I, I play golf with a bunch of guys and they all, they all play during the week and they play on Sunday mornings and every once in a while they say, why don't you come out and play with us on Sunday? And uh, I say, no, I don't want to. They say, oh, you have to go to church, don't you? And I say, no, I love to go to church. I love to be in the presence of God's people. I love to be where people are praising God because he's real. He's real and he wants to be real in everyone's life. I think that in my life, everything about God is real. But I love 1 John 1. I want to read it to you. 1 John 1 and 9. This is why I know he's real. I like what Brother Mike said. Continue in that which you've learned and that which you are assured of. I know that God is real because of his word and because of the scripture. And I pray the scripture will minister to you this morning. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, Jesus died so that you could be free from the burden and the stench of sin. To think that 
we can do, we can say, we can have an activity that, that we're convicted that it's not right, that it's sin. We could think it or we could say it. We could get angry. But to know that he forgives me of all my sins and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. How do I know that God is real? Jesus, thank you, Lord. He cleanses me. And Mary Jean said, I, I preach on this a lot, so I must need a lot of forgiveness. I need a lot of forgiveness. And I'm telling you that, that once I confess and once I say, Lord, forgive me, I'm telling you the glory, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love when it says we're forgiven of all of our sins. There's a, there's a term that's used and it's called that we are justified in Christ. When we ask forgiveness of our sins, we are justified. The Bible says we are washed, we are sanctified, and we are justified by the blood of the Lamb. Listen, listen to me. Please listen to me. When you confess, when you recognize sin in your life and you ask God to forgive you that sin, I want to tell you what happens right then. The Bible says that you are justified and justified means just as if it never happened. Hallelujah. If, if there's someone here today that needs to be freed from condemnation and guilt and you think that your sin is outside the bounds of God's forgiveness, I want to pray for you. If you think that you've done something so horrible, so against the things of God, you're the only one that thinks you can't be forgiven because God this morning, oh Jesus, God is saying this morning, I, oh Jesus, come on, get ready. <laughs> I want to make myself real to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. If that's you in this word has touched your heart. I want to pray for you. And see, it's not, it's not my preaching that's going to draw you down here. It's the Holy Spirit of God. God desires to set you free from guilt and condemnation and your past because in Christ you have no past. How many are that we want to come down? We want to pray for you this morning to be set free. Want to get rid of guilt and condemnation. You want to get, you want to get rid about feeling bad about yourself. 
You want to be set free to know how much God loves you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's going to become real. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is a Kairos moment, people. This is a, God's, God's opened up heaven a little bit this morning for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Mike, you and Steve, if you'd come up here and help me, just come on over here. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Sam, come and help me. Thank you, Lord. Bring him over. Thank you, Lord. Oh, what a beautiful day. What is it about God that makes him real to us? God's going to reveal that more so right now. No more guilt, no more condemnations. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're asking you to do something that you can only do. No man can do this, Lord, but you can. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I just remove any guilt and condemnation right now. Every one of these standing are new creatures in Christ. Old, old things are passed away. I don't have a past. My God has eradicated is a word that is used. And my God has set me free. I'm the apple <laughs> of his eye. My sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Never to be remembered. Never, there's smiles up here. I wish y'all could see the smiles on people's faces. They're free. No more condemnation, no more guilt. In Christ, we're new creatures. The sins have been washed away. Now, never to be remembered. So if someone were to ask you tomorrow, you say, well, you know what? God forget. I don't remember. God doesn't remember. God has, God has a very sharp memory. And he said, I, I don't, what are you talking about? Amen. And see, if we were to ask you, no, what are you talking about? Well, you know, you know, no, I don't know. What are you talking about? I know God. Cause when God for, see the whole purpose of Jesus was to make us free to wash that evil stint away from us. And it doesn't matter what, you know, so we told a lie or so we did something even worse than that. Jesus died for this opportunity right here. He went through all that he went through for this very moment in time when we realized that my sins have been forgiven and I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. I'm a new person. Let's just say, I'm a new person. I have no past. My God has forgiven me. And because of that, he's more real than he's ever been before in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all may go back. No more fear. No more condemnation. Amen. Jack. Ma'am. Pastor Jack. I have, I have a scripture for this. We prayed, we prayed this out in the prayer room this morning about purging your conscience. Thank you, Lord. Dead works. And it's um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Because this is what the Lord just... No, I'm coming with you. This is what the Lord just did this morning, and it came. We, we prayed for it at, at 9 o'clock. But um, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the, un, the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Amen. Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So that's what happened. Their conscience is being purged. Thank you, Lord. It started a purging this morning. Thank it you, Lord. cleansed them of all those dead works of, of uh, feeling bad. Thank you, Lord. Themselves. No more dead works. No more dead works. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.